0: Greetings, and welcome to the Gospel Expedition, where we explore the Gospel from Genesis to Revelation. The Gospel is how Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. It is through the Gospel that we have salvation, because it is through the Gospel that God's wrath for our sin was satisfied, and the death and the grave was conquered, so that we know that we can have eternal life. Every passage in scripture either sets up this concept, illustrates this concept, explains this concept, or foretells this concept. In the book of Genesis, we're setting this concept up. We're showing how God created everything and how man sinned, thus creating the need for the gospel. And in our passage today in Genesis chapter 4, verses 17 through 22, we're going to continue to set up this concept by showing the society that we needed to be redeemed from. Now the first major illustration of the gospel took place in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 when God said that he would put enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman and that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent but the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. And so what we see here is we see Satan's power being destroyed, but the one who destroys Satan's power suffers a death blow in the process. That is the gospel, that's what took place at Calvary. The next major picture of the gospel that we will have in the book of Genesis will take place in Genesis chapter six, when we learn the story of Noah and how he built the ark. The ark, according to the Bible, is a type of Christ. That means it's an illustration or a foreshadowing of Christ. But before we get there, we need to set it up by explaining how the world got to a place that God felt that he needed to destroy it in a flood. And for that, we go to Genesis chapter 4, verses 17 through 22. The Bible tells us in that passage that Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Meheziel, and Meheziel fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech, and Lamech took two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabel, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. And Zillah also bore Tubalcane, He was the forger of all instruments of bronze. And iron. And so, what happens after the garden, after the fall of man? Adam and Eve are banished from the Garden of Eden. They have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel offer sacrifices to God, and God has respect to Abel's offering, but not to Cain's. And as we discussed in the previous episode, the difference maker between the two sacrifices was faith. Abel had faith, Cain did not. And since Abel offered his sacrifice by faith, God accepted his sacrifice. But since Cain did not offer his sacrifice by faith, God did not accept it. This made Cain very upset, and he winds up murdering Abel in his rage. After he murdered Abel, God banished him. God banished Cain, told him that he would no longer be able to successfully farm, and Cain moved out. And the Bible says he moved to the land east of Eden. And in this passage, we see what Cain did after he was banished for murdering Abel. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 4, verse 17, that he built a city, and he named the city after his son Enoch. Now, when the Bible says that Cain built a city, it doesn't mean that Cain went across the river, staked out some land, and got some you know, two-by-fours and nails and a bulldozer out and got busy building infrastructure, building streets, and building buildings. What it means when Cain built a city was that he got busy. He, he got busy gathering people together, having children, having grandchildren, building a society. This is what he was doing. He was across the river building a society, and he named this society, he named this city after the name of his son, Enoch, because if Cain was not going to be able to be successful in his lifetime, he was going to set it up to where there would be success through his son. And so what Cain is doing on the other side of Eden, on the east side of Eden over there, is he is building a city. He's building a society. And what he's going to aim to do through this society is he is going to show how successful he can be even when he is under God's curse. Remember, He was a tiller of the ground. He was a keeper of the ground. He could cultivate crops. He could grow things like nobody's business. But when God punished him for murdering Abel, God took that ability away from him. So Cain is going to show that even with his gift taken away, he can still be successful without God. And so what he does is he goes and he builds this godless society to the east of Eden. And as we see this progress and we see the different generations through Cain's descendants, we see that we have one man in verse 19. His name is Lamech. He took two wives. Now, during the marriage debates of the early 2000s, when we were, when we were debating as a society in the United States what is a legitimate marriage, those of us who know the Lord as our Savior, Christians, we declared that a biblical marriage, a godly marriage, is a marriage between one man and one woman. And one of the comebacks to that argument was, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see that there were many men in the Old Testament that had multiple wives. And when you read the Old Testament, you'll find that that's true. What we see from Lamech here having two wives is that the concept of being in a polygamous marriage was not God's invention, that was not God's inception, that was not God's direction, but that was sinful man's invention, that was sinful man's direction, that was something that man came up with apart from God as he sought to build a godless society. So we keep on and we see how Cain's society is doing here. We see in Genesis chapter 4 verse 20 that Ada bore Jabal, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock, So Cain can't grow crops, but guess what? One of his descendants is going to be an expert at keeping livestock. And so what you find here in Genesis chapter 4 is you find the first cowboys. You find the first livestock technicians, the, the first farmers who became exceptional at keeping cattle. At keeping oxen, at keeping all different types of livestock and cultivating livestock to be a resource for mankind. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. And so, what you have in Cain's society is you have expert agricultural minds. And you also see the cultivation of the arts. You see the cultivation of music. You see the cultivation of the humanities, of philosophy. And it becomes truly an an inspiring, not necessarily inspiring, but it truly becomes an amazing thing to see, to see this society develop. A strong agricultural economy, a strong um, entertainment, music, arts community. And when you move on you see that Zilla bore tubalcane and he was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. And so what happens in Cain's society is not only do they become experts at agriculture, not only do they become aficionados at music, arts, and entertainment, but they also experience many technological advances. Now none of these things in and of themselves are bad. I mean Livestock maintenance, livestock, uh, you know, keeping livestock and and agriculture, it's a great thing. We have an amazing agricultural system in America today that allows us to have one of the most robust food distribution programs. Um, Obviously, arts and entertainment in and of itself is not a bad thing. There have been a lot of great musicians and a lot of great musicians who were Christians who used their gifts and abilities to spread the gospel. Rich Mullins comes to mind. Uh, Michael W. Smith comes to mind. Uh, Several of these great musicians come to mind. And obviously technology is not a bad thing because I'm using technology now to discuss the gospel. Where all of this goes wrong is when we use these things to show God that we don't need him and that we do not want his presence in our lives. And oftentimes I've seen When people take a spiritual fall, they step away from church, they step away from the scriptures, they step away from God, and they begin to pursue earthly success, earthly pleasure, earthly accomplishment, because it's a way they have to try to soothe themselves after their spiritual fall. And while this may look good on the surface, Cain's society looked good on the surface, I mean, it gets to the point where by the time we get to Genesis chapter 6, the sons of God, those being Seth's descendants, decide that they want a part of it. While it looks good on the outside, inside, spiritually, it still leads to death. And that's why we need the gospel. Because when you experience a spiritual fall, you can try to doctor yourself and try to self-medicate through these things of the world. But at the end of the day, that really has no real benefit to you. The benefit comes in being able to heal spiritually. Now, Cain's ungodly society grows. It grows over time, and it becomes worse, and it becomes more evil, and it becomes more godless, and it becomes more seductive. That when we get to the beginning of Genesis chapter 6, we learn two things. Three things, actually. One, that the earth is full of violence. You remove God from the picture and that spiritual consciousness and awareness of God's presence. And there is no limit to how evil and how low man can go. We see that the earth becomes full of violence. The second thing we see by the time we get to Genesis chapter 6 is we see that every imagination of the thought of man's heart is only evil continually. Without the presence of God, without an acknowledgement of God, without a desire to make God happy or to be on the right side of God, there is nothing but evil and darkness. And the third thing that we see when we get into Genesis chapter 6 is that even the descendants of the godly lineage that came from Adam through Seth is seduced by this and wants to be a part of this and thus as bad as things get it draws god's judgment now what we're doing here is we're setting up the next picture of the gospel because god is going to execute his wrath and his judgment on the earth in genesis chapter 6 7 and 8 by flooding the world with a worldwide flood he's going to destroy all evil he is going to destroy the ungodly society that man has created but we're also going to see how God rescues his believers from that how he redeems how he saves how he rescues we're going to see that through Noah and the ark so again we're studying the gospel from Genesis to Revelation and today we've been setting this up by demonstrating. What it is that God is rescuing us from through the gospel. It is from his wrath and from the destruction that is brought on by sin. When you look at the world around you, there's a lot of enjoyable things in this world. Music, entertainment, technology, food, career advancement. And these are all good things. Try to accomplish them in rebellion against God. And it will bring destruction every time. Trust the Lord. Trust in his redemption. Trust in his love for you. And the things that you do in this life, let that be a reflection of the relationship that you have with him. This has been the Gospel Expedition. I'm Leland Acker.